Welcome back to SEOconspiracy.com with my dear friend Judith, Judith Lewis. Bonjour, Judith. Bonjour. <laughs> How is everything today? So far, so good. I always set the bar very low and I'm alive, so it must be a good day. <laughs> I love the, she, she always has like those sentences that hit you. I cannot hate you for that because you can say in one sentence what's going to take me one whole paragraph or 2,000 words. So, Comes lovely, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to start to learn who she is, what she does, where does she come from, and so on. Then, of course, we're going to move on to her favorite pet peeves about search and SEO in general, or no, SEO and search in general. And then I wanted to talk about the business of SEO because Judith, I think, is a prime example on how to go about it. When a good SEO is the spot is not where everybody goes, but just right next to the spot. That's a very good example. And then we'll see where it goes. And maybe we'll talk about also how to do SEO. But first, we're going to focus on how to become a great SEO. An SEO diva like her. Can you tell me the famous magic trick? Because she goes back to the black eyed days of white uh, font on white page. <laughs> I miss those days. That was so much fun. And, and HTML comments. I mean, come on. They were an underutilized <laughs> option for spamming. What year was that? What year? Like the 90s oh or the 2000s? Uh, let's see. So HTML comments would have been early was it 2000s. Google? That was already Google. You've got Google in 1999, but Google wasn't a big thing. So yeah, Dogpile no, is like, what really... Yeah, it was like 2000, maybe Google that started. Yeah, because when it, it, you used a meta search engine because they all sucked, right? So you used a meta search engine that showed you all the different search results and all the different search engines. And Google came forward and sort of stood out from the rest because when it came up in the meta search engine, it showed you what was actually on the page rather than what was in uh, DMOZ, the, the open directory project or what was um, hidden on the page. So it, it showed you what was actually on the page and usually it was just crap. So you could easily use that search engine to filter out the crappy search results, which is one of the reasons why it became so popular. Obviously that plus the offline marketing they did, people forget about this, but there was a lot of offline marketing that they did. So a combination of the two things and you bring that all together and you get a global juggernaut like you have now. <laughs> Where was your favorite trick back in the days? Google, Google Black Hat SEO from the early days. Oh God, links for sure. Buying shitty links and oh, sorry, I swore. Um, uh, buying you can um, swear. You can swear. inexpensive it's not for, links. It's not for kids. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't don't do this at home, kids. It doesn't work anymore. Um, I did like the white on white background stuff at the bottom of the page. So small font, 
bottom of the page, but I used to make it relevant so that if it was exposed through search engines, then it still made sense. I also like to do um, HTML comments. It wasn't as strong a signal as the content on page, but it still worked. So HTML comments I felt was a really underutilized one because you could really expand the keywords you ranked for. Um, and links, really shitty links that point back to the website worked for a long, long time. That was, even the content was not that important. It was title tag and links. Yeah, The absolutely. content part, little by little, now today the, the block of content uh, matters a lot, but back in the days it wasn't even even maybe my top five <laughs> ranking yeah. factors, uh, content, yeah, whatever is there, but title, tag, and links, links, links with anchor text. Yep. Yes, exact match anchor text to the keyword you want to rank for. Absolutely. There was no, I don't know what you think about it, but there was no latitude. The anchor text needed to be exactly precisely what you wanted to rank for. Yeah, and if you varied, then you wouldn't rank for the right keyword. So you had to make it pretty precise. It wasn't until about, what, 2005, we started to get a little bit more fuzzy logic. And then by the time we're hitting 2007, they're already caning the bad links. Um, and, and then you get into interflora and things like that. And, and that kind of spammy link building just goes completely away. And then Panda, Penguin, yeah. we killed the game. Uh, I love when after Penguin, there were there were no links made for the entire summer. I mean, three, four months, not one link was made on the entire internet as far as the, <laughs> the digital marketing <laughs> world. Uh, everything froze. But You were all uh, busy cleaning up the bad links. <laughs> yeah. uh, then tell me, please, this magic trick, because you started to speak in conferences, you started to get a name for yourself, but you had this black, black hat background kind of behind you. So what was your magic trick? It was a literal magic trick. Mm. So when I, the, I, when I moved over to publishing and uh, went a little bit more white hat, because I was working for an actual company rather than just spamming shit on the web to, to sell. Because literally my background in spamming emails and spamming the internet is from selling stuff and it was working very well. As it stopped working as easily and as well, then I got a job doing the same stuff that I was doing only properly for a publisher. And when I got there, the very first thing that I participated in was a conference. I didn't speak, other people spoke. And the guys who spoke at that conference lied to the audience. And I said to my manager, um, they're wrong on this point, this point, this point, and that's a lie. I said, let me do it next time. If I get a good score, then keep me on. If I don't, then you still got these guys that you can fall back on. I was the highest rated speaker, but that nice. was because I knew what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the fakers and the people who pretend uh, in a little while. But... Mm. How did you, yeah, let's go more into that. I want you to explain how you invented the, the chocolate uh, blog uh, diva to hide the, or to, to... To cover my tracks. To cover your tracks, yeah. Yeah, literally, it was a magician's trick. So when I first started to speak at conferences and come out of the closet, so to speak, I knew I had a really, really wide um, uh, 
footprint so wide it, it's bigger than sasquatch or you know tyrannosaurus rex it was a huge footprint and if you could trace it back to me then it was going to be a big problem because not only had i done email spam but also internet spam so in order to distract people because the the whole speaking thing happened faster than i expected i was brand new in the job they didn't know who i was let alone what i was capable of doing so um the the, the back footprint that it was huge so what i did is i invented this passion. Now I do like chocolate, but I was not that passionate or knowledgeable about chocolate when I did this, but I had to figure out something to distract. So, you know, as I'm cleaning up everything from behind, you're looking at one hand while the other hand is cleaning everything up. Uh -huh. So I used a magician's trick, which was look at me, look at the chocolate. I'm into chocolate. Oh my God, it's chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. While all of my personas and all of the things that linked to my old IP and things like that were all cleaned up. Mm -hmm. And I had a blue book of personas, of, of characters that I had created in order to spam the internet. I was spamming forums. I was spamming um, lists. I was spamming everything you could possibly think of with these personas, all of them different, using different IPs. But it was still a pretty easily traceable footprint. So I just changed it up a bit and um, made it less connected to me, less slightly less spammy. Some of that stuff is still out there. Um, and, um, and cleaned it up so that as people looked in and got interested in me, they looked into the chocolate side, not the spammy um, side. And I actually had a theme, which is another footprint issue, um, a theme that all of my named personas followed. So if you figured out two or three personas were me, then you'd get the, you'd bust the whole network because you could figure out which ones were me based on this scheme of how to name the personas. They all had different dates of birth, ages and things like that, but the names all had a particular yeah, they, they all went through a particular, it, I'll tell you, because it doesn't matter now, they're all cleaned up. I had um, a pack of cards that were like, I don't know, tree, druid tree cards or something. And they had names like Strafe is a Blackthorn and things like that. So I literally took those and mytholo mythological names. So the first name was mythological. The last name was tree. And those okay. two things together, those were the personas. But they're all thankfully gone now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but... Uh, oh, the, the, you are brave enough to admit and to say, okay, this is where I've come from. And, and you do speak openly about this magic trick that you did. But the funny thing is, you did become a real like, chocolate influencer for real. <laughs> no, that was the, the crazy part. I did such a good job of saying, oh, look, chocolate, that people believed me. And then I, I got educated anyway, because any good spammer knows that if you're knowledgeable and educated about your topic, then you're a more effective spammer. So I just followed the same technique that I was using for spamming in order to do this chocolate thing and educated myself about it. Um, I did have relatives who were food critics, uh, so I did have a slight cheat. But um, the chocolate knowledge uh, just came with time. I studied, I researched, I tasted, I understood, and I kept up with it because people expected it after a while. And so 
I just kept rolling with it. And now I judge International Chocolate Awards and I'm a chocolate influencer. How much did that help you to have this, this food, food critique relative? Um, a little bit in introductions. So after I proved that I actually had knowledge of tasting, um, then he trusted me enough to make introductions to people that he knew, like Denise Agabo in Paris, who had before it burned down the oldest chocolate shop in Paris. It was uh, near the, the famous Moulin Rouge um, uh, red a windmill that still exists today in Paris, um, as well as um, uh, Askenoisy Chocolate in the States, who is one of my all-time favorite based on taste and based on ethics. And uh, so those types of introductions would not have happened otherwise, but most of it was my own work, my own research, and my own efforts. My, my sentence is always, the greatest lies the greatest lies are always the closest to the truth. That's yes. paraphrasing what you just said about being a good spammer. If, you, if you're yeah. a guy and you pretend to be a woman, it's very possible. If you're a freelance and you pretend to be an agency, it's all good. It works. Yep. It just has strong limitations. It's going to blow up in your face. The greatest lies need to be the closest from the truth as possible. That's how spies do yeah. it, actually, when they invent the, the persona. They... Uh, they don't try to invent something from scratch. They rely mm. on something concrete and real. Otherwise, they get caught in the lie and they're going to finish uh, in the river <laughs> with a <laughs> with a brick uh, attached to their ankles. It's like the Big Bang Theory. You've got the character that, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, um, but it's not Leonard. It's Leonard's roommate. Uh, and he always makes these convoluted, difficult scenarios when the best lie is the one closest to the truth. And I think back in the 80s when I was first online and discovering the fact that men pretended to be women, um, I learned this uh, trick where they were basically themselves but pretended to be a female version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So they were genuine and they were honest and truthful. They were just that in a female shell. And that was the easiest thing for them to mimic and pretend to be somebody that they weren't. And the number of poor people who fell in love as a result was sad. But it was the 80s, and we did a lot of experimentation in the 80s. What about how you uh, came into search and SEO in particular? What? Uh, tell me more about this uh, this journey, because the... The spammy SEO and from the early days, the fun part, the adventure and uh, the chocolate influencer, that's one thing. But your path, your journey as uh, one of the most uh, thought after SEO speaker or even uh, we'll talk about your was also uh, as well. But yeah, you are definitely a big uh, part of the industry. What was your journey to, um, to achieve that? Probably um, programming at the beginning. And that's how I got online in the 1980s. So 1985, when I was 15, yes, I am that old. Um, I applied to go to a programming course. I had no idea at the time that my mother had been a programmer. I didn't find that out until maybe three or four years ago when she finally admitted it for some reason. She never decided to disclose that. But um, in 1985, I decided to go into programming. It was difficult. My mother had to argue with my female 
programming mm-hmm. teacher to let me in, but I learned Pascal and I learned basic and I learned a lot of the mechanisms of how to program um, programs. And I loved it. I loved that instant feedback of you program something and it does something. So I absolutely adored that. And I kept up with it through school informally. So once I'd completed the course, I kept doing it because I was passionate about just manipulating things on a computer and don't even think that because you know what goes on besides this and the manipulation side of things but um i kept up with the the digital side of things my dad brought home computers from the office he enabled me to continue uh, being online going on on bulletin board systems on uh, all sorts of forums and things like that and so i kept with it till university at university i did my thesis on something called social interactions via live online systems so 1994 kids i wrote my thesis at university on social media um so yeah beat that <laughs> yes <laughs> mine was on a i did a political science uh, <laughs> a ba and my thesis was uh, america is not a democracy it's a plutocracy <laughs> was, uh, so so no yeah. news there either <laughs> yes but nothing very useful and if i did uh like a business major i could have stayed forever it's just if you study in the u.s you have to work within the field of your study yeah. And I didn't know that. That's why um, they uh... they okay. asked you to leave. So they asked so, me yeah, to leave programming, I... and then what else? So path to being an SAO. Um, so programming. So a basis of programming, degree in psychology, and thus you know social media. And then when I uh, left, I didn't immediately move to the UK. But when I moved to the UK, I didn't have a job right away. So as any good person would, I started my own business. I sold stuff online. And what I specialized in was importing stuff from Canada and the US to sell in the UK, which I ended up shipping back to the US. But that was just a testament to how well I'd learned SEO. So in 1996, I found myself with an online shop. um, And before there were transactions on the web, we had to get people to fill out paper forms. So we uploaded a paper form. They printed it off on their computer. They filled it in by hand and mailed it in with a check. And um, (laughs) that's how I started in SEO was selling stuff Mm -hmm. online. And I just stuck with it. I did get an intermediary job like to keep things going when I finally did get a job in um, supporting mail servers, not males who serve people. (laughs) <laughs> which would have been fun, um, but more um, email servers. And that's how I got so intimate with TCP IP and DNS and bind, which they both enjoyed deeply. <laughs> um, and that's why I know so much about the internet. It's why I know so much about psychology. And it's why I know so much about programming. I built my own websites from scratch in Notepad. So it's wow. that was that's why I have such a deep understanding of SEO. And I tested everything in the 90s, early 90s, late 90s, I should say, late 90s, 96, 97, 98, you changed your website a bit and you changed your rankings. And there's just not that ability now. But if you had that engineering mindset, that's what you did. You systematically changed and you saw what worked. And that's the basis and the foundation for the knowledge that I then gained. And I kept reading. I read uh, Bill Slosky's uh, SEO by the Sea for his patents, who I know you've interviewed. I read um, a little bit of Moz when it came around, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I also used the best tool in your toolkit, which is your but, brain Jeff, to filter out the bad. 
you have a profile that's very precious in this industry because you do have the technical background, but you do also how to speak, how to write. Uh, with my broken English, I can't even compete with you, but even native English-speaking people, uh, yeah, you know how to explain something, which is, uh, and you know how to write something, you know how to demonstrate something, you, need, you know how to argue something, which is way more powerful than if you have one profile, technical, uh, link. you know everything, and you've done everything, which is... Uh, I didn't go as far as you, as far as the, the dev part, but I did touch a little bit on everything. I, I think it's really a superpower compared to those who are just into, okay, I know logs, I know how to analyze logs, but I don't know anything else. Uh, yeah, because you know content marketing, you know link building, you know, you know Black Hat, you know, uh, we'll talk about your view on uh, white, hat. <laughs> white, white versus black. What's the next? Reason I, yeah, I don't know. The, I was going to say the reason I think I can um, express myself well is possibly because my mother used to make me write lines when I expressed myself less than optimally. Um, but also my father's a lawyer and he wanted me to be a lawyer. So my erudition was refined from a very young age. And he is still to this day bitter that I am not a lawyer and am a digital marketer when my sister is an engineer and my little brother is a mathematician. Well, I'm not your dad, but I'm really bothered <laughs> by the fact that you don't have a podcast with your voice, your skills, what are you doing not having your own uh, what are you doing going on other people's channel where's yours <laughs> where is my channel well what i want to do is get one of those what is it asr mics and just go hi <laughs> hi have you heard the seo word <laughs> it's a it's a gift to have a voice like yours and to be, how do you say it? Not literate, but the way you express yourself. You use a word, you use words that aren't even, they're not even on, in Wikipedia. Like, I mean, come on. Erudition. Erudition. It's so that you, you make a judge um, immediately pay you respect and pay attention to you because they see that you're using language that is more advanced than the average. And by doing that, you immediately force someone like a judge to recognize your education and level and skill. Whereas if I communicate normally with people, I try not to use words like erudition and mm -hmm. anti-disestablishmentarianism because they're difficult words that are very complex and not many people know what they mean. Yeah, it's a, it's like when I speak with my uh, with my sysadmin, <laughs> he he uses a language that um, <laughs> yeah, like I say, it's not in Wikipedia. <laughs> no, yeah. but with a voice like yours, with the knowledge you have, uh, with the way you explain things, uh, you got to do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will one day. I was on the Marketing Scoop podcast with. SEM Rush for a while. Um, so yours. maybe I'll have to do That's it. Yeah. No, it's not mine. Mm. There are lots of things out there that have me on them that aren't mine. Exactly. That's one way to go about it. It's definitely a good strategy. Even uh, Christine, who I had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's a whole strategy and she did well. You've been doing it well too, but you need to have your thing. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to the next topic. Well, where is the best way, where is the best place and what's the best way if I want to engage with you? 
where is the best place and what is the best way? Well, um, the best place, I suppose, is I have Not a website. the bedroom. <laughs> no, no, it would be the dungeon more than the bedroom. But that aside, um, the the website decabit.com is where I have a small website dedicated to uh, what I do, which doesn't get updated because I'm busy doing what I do. Um, you can also chat with me at a conference. I give away a lot for free at conferences because I enjoy doing what I do or 25, almost 25 years in the business and I would be dead. Um, so I do a lot for free at conferences, but if you want to get me to do something in depth and up close and personal, uh, the best way is to email me. I'm going to give you a tip, guys. Don't go online right after she spoke. Because there's a line and that's very difficult for a speaker to give high value during that time. Wait mm. until she's got a couple of drinks. Wait <laughs> until later. Be patient. Be patient. And you're going to have your time a little bit later. That's where it all comes down. Wait until she's relaxed. She's got a couple of drinks. She's got a big smile then you can engage with Judith and she's going to give you a lot of value. That's my growth hacking tip of the day to uh, get your, your, your moment with, uh, with her. Isn't that right? Am I, uh... It's true. Yeah. After you speak, you have yeah. a very short window to, to speak with someone and then you have to get out of there because the next speaker's coming on. You've got to get somewhere because you've got to go to the green room to debrief or you have to do this or that. Or I'm often in heels and I want to get out of my heels. Um, but and you get that you... rush too. Where you, yeah. you also have the big rush that you need to a little bit come down off. Uh, so yeah, it's... Yeah. I understand people who go on uh, to try to, to have a little conversation, but after the, the talk is definitely not the best time. Uh, and if you've what, ever seen me talk, I'm also breathless because I've been running around the stage, jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's all show. So def, you are definitely one of those speakers who not only do a, number one, open file, number two, <laughs> click here, number three. No, it's all show. You give... Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you try to give a couple, two, three main tips to try to get people to think for themselves instead of trying to lay down the whole tutorial, <laughs> the whole checklist. So yeah. even if it's a checklist, the main thing is trying to push people to how much can you give anyway in a few few minutes? Uh, it's difficult. Yeah. It's very true. I, I recently, I pitched a, a successful talk for a conference that went online. Um, and they wanted me to change the talk from seven um, uh, digital marketing hacks that any business can use to grow their strategy um, okay. to seven uh, SEO hacks that any business can use to grow their business. And I said, well, uh, if I'd done the digital strategy hacks, it would have been worth thousands had they followed it. But instead we can do the SEO and I'll still make the thousands. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't start with strategy, you're doomed to fail. So there are still a lot of people out there who will just do the seven, seven easy tips for doing whatever. But I tend to think broader and I like to get people to think more broadly. So I like them to walk away thinking about the bigger picture rather than the small picture and to inspire them because I'm inspired it comes across in my talk because I get 
excited and passion, impassioned um, with what I'm transmitting to them and they can see my enthusiasm and they get enthused and that's what I love. I know it's not fair for people who have a lot to say, but you need to work on your skills of public speaking. It's not something that you can't learn. It's not a gift. Maybe you are more at ease at first, but when uh, when I did my TED TEDx talk, I mean, you get coached before, right? And you get, uh, I, and I'm really sorry for those who have a lot of things to share but can't express it well, can't do the whole show. Work on it, <laughs> work on it. It's a it's a skill that you can acquire. It's not a gift. Uh, and to pretend that it's difficult. Uh, it's not it's not difficult you just got to do it that's it yeah. there's no mystery but the good part is you don't need like 10,000 hours to become a great public speaker you just need a little bit of practice and once yeah. you get it once you you are free of all those mind games it's uh it's fun and you, and you you change being nervous being all frozen into excitement and passion and that's the whole uh uh, instead of being scared, you're excited and changes everything. Exactly. Usually I pick one or two people in the audience to speak to who I can see are smiling and responding. And then as they get more excited, I get more excited. And then they get more interested, I get more interested. And it, it really works well to choose. If you try to speak to the whole audience individually, one at a time, it can be quite draining because some people won't be responding. Either there's a language issue or they're they already know it, perhaps, or they're a programmer and you're talking about content, so they couldn't be asked, but they also just couldn't be asked to get up. So they're sitting down and not really enjoying the talk. So there are lots of reasons why people might not respond to you as a speaker in a positive way. Ignore them and pick the people in the audience that are responding to you. And those are the ones that you're speaking to. And that makes it a lot easier. True. And also the one thing I tell every person who asks me, how did you become such a great speaker? I say, well, no one else knew what I meant to say. So when I screwed up, I didn't trip over myself mm. in the realization of screwing up. I just go with it. The reason we're told to drink two liters of water is because a an inspirational speaker came up with that, pulled it out of his ass, <laughs> said it, people ran with it. There is no medical basis for two liters of water a day. It's just something he made up on the spot mm. and it's stuck with us for the rest of our lives. If you say it, it's true. That's uh, that's part of the of the game, and it's also something that uh, yeah we can get into it now. Uh, you, um, what bothers you in the SEO industry? Before we we get into how to become a great SEO, your pet peeves, any conspiracy theories, or anything that really bothers you in the industry or the way SEO is um, going. I think the thing that bothers me the most, and I've spoken about this with you is, is stupidity. Um, and I define that as taking someone else's word as law without researching it and without using the best tool in your toolbox to think differently and really research whether or not they're telling the truth. I was at a conference where someone who was on stage said that uh, people say that Google does this, but I don't think they do because of this one example. If you're basing 
the basis for your changes to your website and your client's website on one example, you're going to fail and you're going to fail badly and you're not going to understand why. So you need to read multiple sources. You need to use your brain to figure out whether or not you believe these multiple sources. And also you need to read patents. If you just be stupid by reading stupid, you're never going to advance in your career. You're going to be the one who gets up on stage and says something stupid. And people like me in the audience are going to say, well, don't invite that person to another conference because they don't know what they're talking about. They're not fit to be a judge either because they have no clue what they're talking about. Then you just, you, you say, this is what they said on stage. Here, here's an example of their slides. This is wrong. It's actually technically incorrect. So you need to be thinking about reading multiple sources. Don't believe everything you read. Read source material books. So if someone says, I read um, uh, uh, Nicholas Taleb and um, he said X, go buy the book, uh, Black Swan or, or Fooled by Randomness or whatever the uh, book is that they're talking about. Read it for yourself and see whether or not that's relevant or look it up online. Do not believe everything you read online. A lot of it is lies. I've written some of it in the past, not under my name, but under my fake names. Um, so some of the stuff out there I know is incorrect. It's actually factually incorrect. And it was designed for a particular reason. But that's why you need to be using your brain to read multiple sources and research. If you just accept what you're told at a conference by me or by anyone, we could be saying something that is factually inaccurate. Question everything, accept nothing, read multiple sources, and do the work. If you're not willing to do the work, you're never going to be a great SEO. You'll only be an also-ran. Wow. <laughs> uh, when you were talking, I was, <laughs> uh, I was thinking about how I'm guilty of, it's almost a troll. When I say to people, RankBrain is the boss at Google, it's an oversimplification. It's wrong. Mm. RankBrain by itself doesn't mean anything without all the multiple layers. But I don't want to say AI. I don't want to say machine learning. I don't want to say deep learning. RankBrain kind of resonates with people. It's a symbol of the AI at Google. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, and the problem is if you are some kind of authority in your domain, Nobody is going to say crap, but everybody's going to fall in your ass if you are not respective. So uh, it's a difficult uh, because it's difficult because correlation doesn't mean causality. That's yeah. why we spoke extensively with Bill. And that's the whole problem with all those studies, all those ranking factors, all those I have an entire channel about SEO conspiracies and I can't run out, run out of topics. I can't. Yeah. It's endless. And I can go because sometimes something is true, then it's not true, then true again. It changes. So how to clean up the mess? If I, um, We'll go in a couple of seconds into the professional mindset, how to become a great SEO. But now from an outsider perspective, from a client perspective, from someone who needs SEO, how do I how do I clear out the mess? How, where do I start if I want just to have a you know common knowledge, not go deep down? But what would be your advice to to get the first level of knowledge? 
So the C-suite level of knowledge, the, the, the CEO, what does he need or she need to know in order to hire an SEO or digital marketing agency? I would say the minimum level of competency that I would expect out of an SEO or sorry, out of a CEO when hiring an SEO um, would be an understanding of the importance of digital marketing within the full marketing suite and how it adjusts the visibility of your property. So you need to understand that SEO is about improving visibility in order to increase sales in a relevant way. You don't need to know how we do it. Uh, you just need to know that we do it for these reasons. Any agency that comes to you and says, we're going to rank you well on keywords, doesn't understand what they're doing. So I, I have a friend, she runs a PR agency. They use an SEO agency that charges them maybe a hundred pounds a month. That's like less than an hour of my time. So I said to her, look, I'll, I'll help you for free because these people are just taking your money now. So I showed her how their targets were incorrect because they were focused on the keywords and not on the business objectives. So when you're looking at hiring a digital marketing firm, an SEO, a, a social media marketer, whatever, it doesn't matter. They need to be focused on your business's objectives, not on ranking well or lots of follows or lots of like. That's bullshit. You want them to be attuned to your business requirements and your business needs. Love it because the first step, I have a bunch of exercises that I give out to my clients or, or my students. And it's about understanding who you're talking to and who you are. I take the example of the skin. The skin is two millimeters uh, thick. I don't know in inches, but come on, guys. I don't come know on. inches. I'm Get Canadian. <laughs> yes, it's true. Come on, metric system. Yeah. <laughs> so two millimeters thick. And you get judged. You never get a second chance to make a first good impression. If, if you don't have the right color of the skin, the, if, if, you have, if you're missing like half of your face, you're going to be judged on that. Same for a website, same for your brand. So it's not about knowing deep down, you know who you are, but how do you express it? How do you, are you going to be able to give that first good impression? And also, yeah, by persona, customer journey, all the stuff to know who you're talking to. And what I say is, the cross you have two circles offer demand and the, the cross and the bigger the intersection uh the biggest the treasure yeah absolutely uh, I, i'm not literate like you but i can draw two circles <laughs> can, <laughs> so people understand what i mean that's the first yeah. step i do uh, yeah. it's not about keywords it's about yeah understanding who you're talking to who you are and then you can get on to the actual plan, the planning. I always say lose a little bit of time in the planning makes you gain time in the execution. Good yeah. planning, good planning. That's the key. And also maybe sometimes also try to be a good client. I think is a good advice <laughs> because uh, you always say, okay, you need to find a good SEO, a good, uh, a good agency or whatever. But sometimes client, should think about how can I be a good client, meaning how can I not hide anything? How can I open up and really say what they want? They're asking me and not trying to hide. Yeah, be a good client. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's important that the client understands that every time they ask the SEO to do something different, it's like a change request for your dev agency. It slows them down. It causes them to have to go back, reassess, and do something differently because you've asked for a different requirement. So you need to think about SEO or PPC, pay-per-click advertising, or social media like you think about development projects. And if digital marketing agencies thought more like devs and talked about change requests and the alteration to timelines, then it would be easier for them to communicate to the client why it is that they cannot do something as quickly as the client may want them to. How do you express your job? Are you into, are you strictly SEO? Are you digital marketer? What are you? Um, I do call myself a digital marketer now. I used to call myself just an SEO because that was mainly what I did. But because I have skills in pay-per-click marketing as well as social media, uh, and I'm often called on to do an overarching strategic piece as well as email marketing, obviously, I ran mail servers and list servers were one of the first things we built. So I've had to learn email marketing back in the, the early 2000s. Um, but because so, I have to yeah. had that broad knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I understand how each of the pieces work. I understand how email marketing works, how it's segmented, how it's targeted and, and personalized. I understand PPC. I understand how that is also segmented and personalized. Mm. I understand SEO and I understand social media. I can do all of them in a pinch. I can do any of those channels myself. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, I'm able to look at the whole picture. So I call myself a digital marketer, but not all digital marketers have all those skills. It's, it's very rare to yeah. have somebody who can execute yeah. on all the channels. My advice, if you're starting out today, don't go that route. It's too <laughs> hard. That way you, lies madness. You, you got to go specific. Be the special, uh, I mean, it could be an industry, SEO for accounting or yeah. uh, a skill. Uh, I'm the best at uh, log analysis or, mm. or web analytics, whatever. And then broaden up. Yeah. specific to wide my vertical is search it could be paid it could be organic i do search i know a little bit about emailing i know a little bit about community management but i want people to understand that my thing is search and it yeah. could be on facebook it could be on youtube it could be on google mobile whatever search uh, but the remember that she she's been doing it for a while and she's got the skills, she's got the background to be able to say, I'm a digital marketer. So let's get into the fakers. And some of them last very long. Uh, yeah. But they, and they're very good on stage to have a very nice, convincing talk. Mm. But when you see the work, when you see what they're doing, and the problem I have with that is that I'm going to put it full camera for this. <laughs> if you stay in your little corner, if you abuse newbies, if you get the money with doing your, your, your shit, stay in that corner. The problem comes when you try to be validated by people like Judith and I. When you try to come out of your corner and you want to play with the big boys, then the problem start. So if you are one of those fakers, just stay in the corner. Don't ever come close. You can't lie to people who know. What are you thinking about? I mean, 
last time I had a little uh, argument with a guy who sells, we call that dream sellers. They don't sell a dream. They, uh, they don't make people dream. They sell a dream. Yeah. Uh, your financial independence uh, with e-commerce or your, your liberty with a blog, right? This broad, it's not learning Facebook ads. It's just changing your life. And this guy is selling for 2,000, 3,000 euros a website already made. You're going to start to make money tomorrow with e-commerce. It's a WordPress with five pages and one page with some Amazon affiliate links. You can trump someone who is dreaming about making money on the web. You can't. How do you, and the thing is, if those guys were like, yeah, sure, I, yeah, I, I sell to newbies. I know what I'm, it's not great. I know I, I, don't try to convince me that what you, you're doing is not crap. Don't try to convince people who know. That's, that's what bothers me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Those people, I mean, I can think of ways to make money. So a little bit of arbitrage. So depending on what your profit margin is on the product that you're selling. Obviously, with Amazon, it's difficult now that they've cut their affiliate commission. But if you have physical products, you're drop shipping something like that, look at your um, your profit margin and then see if you can arbitrage your way out of that hole that you've just dug for yourself. But um, yeah, if you're going to try to do something with funnels or affiliates or this or that, like OnlyFans, they, they cut their lifetime affiliate benefits to one year it's crazy the whole reason why they have their user base that they have now is because they had lifetime affiliates so another program will come along and they'll take the people away and they won't get them back people are not loyal to a brand they go where they want to we no longer have the kind of brand loyalty we used to many years ago so you've got to be careful and if you're selling shit eventually we're going to come along and, and we're going to not only clean your shit up but we're going to make sure that you can't shit on anyone else that's the truth so stay in your corner hide <laughs> the web is a big place uh, but don't don't try to come into and that's the that's the problem because sometimes for themselves, they want to come out of, of the little shithole and, and they want to play with the big boys. Yep. And that's when it happens. Or you do it like me or like her and you play open. Yeah, my black hat is not just for show. I, I know where I come from. I know what I've done. Yep. Uh, and, and that's it. But if you try to pretend that what you're doing was not, is not what it is, when you have the knowledge to judge. Everybody today has an opinion about anything. The problem is, from the receiving, receiving end, it's also our right to judge, to analyze who is giving that opinion, who is behind, do you have the credential? Uh, I think that's fair game. Everybody can yeah. speak, but we also have the right to judge. Are you relevant about what you say? Yeah. It goes both ways. Absolutely, but, God, yes. Uh, one more thing about the the fakers or the the way the industry is going. It cleaned up a lot thanks to Google. Actually, Panda Penguin yeah. killed, <laughs> killed a lot. Of, <laughs> what, what's left of um, it's not fakers, but what's left of Black Hat SEO in your in your opinion? I mean, I'm still a link builder at heart. I still do a lot of link building, but it's outreach now. And so it's much more focused around business objectives. Let me, let me cut you off. First, 
where do we draw the line? Where, yeah. where do you become, when do you become, is it just the guidelines? If you do one link, are you a black hat or is it something else? I think people want to be black hats because it sounds very sexy. For me, a real black hat would be somebody who hacks websites and injects um, spammy links. That's illegal. And to me, that's what a black hat is. It's somebody who engages in illegal activity because I don't see link building as being black hat. But most commonly, people feel that any violation of Google's guidelines is something that is black hat. Um, whereas I see it more as shades of gray because while I might be violating the letter, I'm not violating the spirit. The spirit of Google's guidelines are about being... Um, business focused and not focused on increasing rankings just for the sake of visibility. We used to joke about the Britney Spears nude photos uh, thing where if you spammed Britney Spears news, nude photos on your website, you'd get all the guys clicking through hoping for Britney Spears nude photos, but instead they'd be sold a car. Now, you could say that there's some relevance there, but not 100%. And that just doesn't work. And it's not a good quality result. And Google doesn't want you to do that. Building links is against their guidelines. So technically, it's against their guidelines to build links. I like to build links that will drive converting traffic. So I like to build links that will actually result in a business objective being met. A lot of people build links purely for rankings, and that's the wrong reason to be building links. Because if that link stops working, I still get the traffic that converts. You get nothing. So think about it that way. And that's why I see that as gray and not black. But most people will say, if you violate the letter of Google's guidelines, then that's black hat. And I would say it's much more gray if you're in the spirit of things rather than um, where I see black hat, which is um, hacking and illegal activities. Exactly. That's why I draw the line. Everybody has a moral compass, different moral compass. Some things that are acceptable for you won't be for me or anybody else. But there is the legal side of it. And it's probably the easiest way to build links, okay? Hacking yeah. is the easiest. Don't look anywhere else. That's the easiest way. You have the user manual on, on website about, uh, okay, Joomla has a vulnerability into the, the you can uh, XSS uh, the, the URL and build a link. So easy, easy, easy. But that's, a couple, a few years of jail and a few hundred thousand pounds, dollars, euros, whatever you want. Yeah. In legal fees. If you are 16 and you live in your parents' house, uh, maybe play with it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to judge. But after a little while, what Christine calls the ass hat is the worst kind. Yeah. The one who is going to put the employees, the business in danger by doing shady tactics knowingly or even even worse like not knowing what they're doing is even yeah. worse than knowing what you're doing but putting people's jobs in danger putting the whole business in danger because you are playing around with the yellow line and crossing over that's that's the wrong way to do it so there is yeah. the wrong legal way to do it and there's a wrong spiritual way to do it when you put other people's uh job or be well-being in danger because Absolutely. you could you could just be in that gray zone, but doing something that is um, let me find an example. How do you call the people who can fortune tellers, right? Oh yeah, fortune tellers. 
you could empty anybody's wallet and their savings and so on, especially the women who try to find love again. That's the number one target. Oh, yeah. Or why did I always... I was okay with doing affiliate for poker, but not for casino. Because mm. I feel the game of poker is fine with me. Casino, ding. I remember Vegas, you know, with those those old people playing the pension, ding, mm. ding. And that image was just not right in my mind. And I was making tons with, uh, I was at the beginning of, of the whole poker thing. So it was in the five to six digits per month. And cutting off myself from the whole casino side was just a moral decision. It had nothing to do. The business decision would have been to go into casino, but I didn't want to. Uh, some of other people are fine with it. It just, if it's not illegal, it's legal in marketing. Yeah. The only judge we have is how do you look at yourself in the mirror and be okay with what you do? That's it. Yep. You don't even care about what other people are saying. How do you look at yourself and be okay with what you do? And again, if you're okay with what we do, but that's not okay with people who know what they're talking about, don't come near them. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away. Well, because we will step on you and jump up and down on you and squish your liver and brains and kidneys into, you know, small puddles of goo. So... <laughs> well, you know... If you start with the head, the head, the skull is quite thick. But once you get a good crunch going on the skull, you can really squish the brains. And then if you can collapse the chest, you can squish the lungs and the heart at the same time. That did not look like I was squishing someone's heart and lungs. That looked like something completely different. When it comes from a lady like her, who can articulate things very well, it's so much more powerful than when it's a big black dog barking at you like me. It, it just, right, with a little, look at her little smirk she has. And, <laughs> and, and when she's like bitch slapping you, it's, uh, whoa, you, you, you might never recover. You might never recover. It's that powerful. <laughs> well, especially since I have the ears of a lot of people in the industry, so who trust me. And if I'm, able to express why it is that I'm speaking the way I am about individuals and asking them to be excluded from things, which I have done um, for very specific reasons, um, then I'm listened to because I'm able to um, express myself appropriately. But also, I'm trusted because I don't often cry wolf. And if I do, it's for an exceptionally good reason. So if I've had to have you not invited to certain events, then I have a very good reason for doing that. And of the times I've done it, it's been for an exceptionally good reason. We're touching uh, on a very specific point where I would like to bring in the search awards. Mm -hmm. Because we're both judge on head judges, head judges, <laughs> head judge, not regular judge on, uh, on European search awards, UK search awards, global search awards, Canada search awards. And Amongst all those awards, all the numerous awards, the awards we participate in are the top level. It's the primo. Um, so it can change a business, it can change a career, it can change many things. 
and from the judge side, the judge point of view, you already you, you need to be uh, responsible because also the SEO industry is made that everybody is kind of connected to each other and there's always yep. this uh, co-sanguinité. Uh, how do you say it in English? When you mix blood? <laughs> when the blood becomes, uh, the bloodline becomes a little bit... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all a little bit um, incestuous. Exactly. So how do you go about it to be to have this clear mind to stay neutral when of course you might prefer someone better than the other one on the the judging side i have seen i have been part of a panel where people that i personally disliked intensely won an award because the work that was done was exceptional the way that the entry was written helped uh, illustrate the good work that they'd done as a, as a team. And they might not have even been involved. They might have just put their name on the entry and their team were who executed such a beautifully produced piece. Um, and so sometimes people you don't like win and sometimes people you love and really like don't win. But you have to be neutral because if I tried to push someone forward just because I liked them or tried to suppress mm. them just because I didn't like them, that would be unethical. So it's a very difficult balance sometimes. And sometimes I will say in private notes or things like that, um, I really hate this person, but love this entry. It really needs to win, even though I don't like this human being. Um, because sometimes it isn't them that's done it and it's their team. So you have to be neutral. If you're not neutral, then you're being utterly unfair. Why do I need to win an award for my business? I think when a business is trying, when a when a company is trying to hire a an SEO, PPC, social media, digital marketing agency, there are so many out there. There are no regulations that say what you need in order to call yourself something. So I can, my little brother, who's a mathematician, can call himself an expert SEO, and no one can say boo. My, um, uh, however, my little brother cannot call himself a lawyer <laughs> unless he has a degree. Um, and also did his bar and whatnot in Ontario. You have to pass the bar. Um, but you, there's no restriction on calling yourself an SEO here. You can, can't call yourself an accountant, chartered accountant, but you can call yourself a chartered SEO or what that would be. I don't know. Um, but there are no restrictions on who can call themselves what. So how do we know the company that we're hiring is actually legitimate? And nowadays, oftentimes larger companies and smaller companies will rely on someone else's work being peer reviewed in order to trust them. And that is what an award is. It is a peer review of your work and an indication that your work is above par. So you're being peer reviewed, which is something we don't get outside of scientific magazines. And it's being shown to be of the highest quality for that particular vertical. And like I said before, amongst all those awards, you got a, a scale. Uh, yeah. They, they don't, don't all account for the same, like for cinema, like for music, like for everything else. It doesn't mean, uh, it was very controversial because in France, there was outside of what does uh, Nikki, it was um, like an online magazine. Uh, the, the main ma uh, digital magazine 
who voted, they send a, a questionnaire and people voted. And it was a ranking of the three best or the three, the five best SEO in France. And I came out third, but it became really controversial. People got really pissed off because like, doesn't mean you are the best SEO. I work in an agency and I'm better. It's not, well, maybe the word best SEO is not... Brad Pitt, if he won the Oscar, might not be the best actor, but it's still, <laughs> uh, it's still, uh, like you say, uh, how did you formulate the peer-reviewed? Peer-review, <laughs> yeah. Peer-review, uh, and it counts for something. Yeah. Anytime that you have a group of people that are considered to be very good or exceptional in their industry, reviewing other people's work that's mm -hmm. when you see the best of the best rising to the top. So in SEO, we're bringing in other SEOs who are recognized as being good in their fields and who generally have a neutral standing. So they're either consultants like myself or yourself, or they are in-house. So they don't have a particular affiliation because they're in an agency. And we're able to bring our expertise to judging other people's work and peer reviewing it. So Brad Pitt gets peer reviewed by fellow actors, mm -hmm. We get peer reviewed by fellow SEOs, or I, I mean, neither of us can enter because we're judges, but people who enter are peer reviewed by their peers and judged as to whether or not they're the best. What about the fact, not an opinion, but the fact that sometimes, well, it's not the best overall in the world. It's just the best who submitted <laughs> to the, to the, the category. Uh, and sometimes we even switch entries from one category to, to another. But if they don't enter, maybe they are the best. Maybe they are much better than the, the one who, who won. But we can't. I mean, we can't go into the world and, and drag. Well, we cannot do it sometimes, like advise people you should, uh, you should compete. Yeah. But it's limited to our um, entourage, our right? Sphere, <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, 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 I think... That's the, the hardest thing is that sometimes I will come across a piece of marketing that I think is excellent in SEO, but the people who put it out aren't willing to be judged for a lot of reasons. Either they're unwilling to be judged because they don't want to reveal anything beyond what can be seen, and that can include budgets, it can include specific tactics that they leveraged that might not be immediately obvious. But in SEO, generally, anything that you do, we can see. We can we have tools and we can see what you're sure. doing. So you might as well enter. Um, sometimes it's cost. They can't afford it. And sometimes their um, client will not allow them mm -hmm. to enter. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of reasons why people don't want to enter. But what we do as judges is we can only judge what we see. So much like the journal Nature can only peer review what is submitted. We, they can't peer review everything that's going on out there, all research projects. Uh, we can't peer review all SEO projects. We can only peer review what's given to us. So that's why there are sig sig specific ones for different areas of the world. So APAC, we have an APAC search awards, mm. which means that people in the Asia Pacific region enter a different award set than people in the Nordics. Yes. And people in the Nordics enter a different award than the people in the US. Each different region has their own regional. And then we have a global now. Mm -hmm. And the global one is where everybody comes together. And that's the hard one that's where cool. <laughs> we have to judge a, a campaign that was executed in an MENA Middle uh -huh. East North Africa against something that was executed in 
Asia against something that was executed in the US against something that was executed in the UK. And that means that we're not just looking at what's right for that market, but we're looking for what's right in each of the individual markets mm -hmm. and for the industry as a whole. That will be the most difficult one to judge. But mm -hmm. otherwise, we do keep it very focused on the yeah. area and very focused on the vertical. So don't enter the best SEO <laughs> campaign category first off. Enter the vertical. That's usually easier to be reviewed in and win. And then you enter the best SEO campaign. Well, we're going to get into a, sec a second into how to build a career and your little... But same, if you want to enter a category, look right next to the category. And sometimes it's from one to three, the number of entries. So you got a lot more chances to... And sometimes it's uh, like integrated search. Yep. Instead, of, instead of SEO campaign, what you did is probably what's called integrated search. And it's also a fact. It's not an opinion. Those awards can make a difference. Those awards yep. make, a, I wouldn't say they break a business if you don't get it, but they would definitely, uh, and proof is in the pudding. <laughs> you look at anybody who won one of these awards, European especially, or, uh, because it's, before the global, I guess the European search award was the most prestigious. It's on the front page of the tool, of the agency, or the individual. It's right there, the biggest, um, um, we call it, element de réassurance. Reassuring yes. element. I don't know what yeah. the right marketing term. It would be the, the biggest reassurance, yeah. just yeah. full stop. You are reassured that you're, a group of peers have, mm. have looked at somebody else's work and judged it to be award-worthy. So if you're not confident or sure that the agency itself are the right agency, then having peer-reviewed work is the way to make it stick. Exactly. Now, enter the search awards, all of them, all you can, because it's a learning process. If you win the first time, amazing. Uh, but it's very often... The entry is important. You got to learn how to make a good entry. You got to first get shortlisted and it's the way it goes. And from my point of view, from our point of view, it doesn't make really a, a difference. We just judge on the moment. So if mm -hmm. you entered 15 times before, sometimes it comes into play, but very rarely. It's more about the moment right now and you yeah. are compared to others. But yeah, doing, uh, improving. Uh, sometimes it's sad because some very valuable uh, entries are not going to win because the entry itself, the way they... And, and of course, it's a disadvantage if you are French and you want to enter the European Search Awards and you can't express yourself well in English. Well, find a solution. It's not difficult to find someone who can correct your English. Okay? Yeah. Please, or make an just effort. <laughs> submit a version in French because a lot of the judges read French. And any words that I get stuck on, I just pop into DeepL uh, or Google Translate and I understand the context of the word. Uh, so I can usually read a French entry and a lot of the people who judge will speak another European language. So if you're having trouble, sure. submit it in your native language first and we will do the translation ourselves. We had one entry for, I think, European, where they had clearly used a bad version of Google Translate. And um, their entry really, it was a struggle to read. It would have been better for them to enter in whatever their language was, and then let us translate it Wasn't instead it of Turkish? what they did. It was either Turkish or Romanian, I'm not sure. Yeah. 
Um, but the, the <laughs> translation to English didn't quite work. And it sounded like an amazing entry. It, it sounded like they revolutionized a business. But unfortunately, they didn't quite communicate well enough for us to be able to award it. What advice would you give to someone who wants to break into the industry, but either at the search awards or any event, what they're going to see is a bunch of people getting together, like the gang. Yeah. Because you're all happy to find it. And, you start. and from the outsider perspective, it looks like, an, like a bubble that you can't break in. Well, I don't think, well, what's your point of view on that? What, how do you break in the bubble? <laughs> yeah, well, if you're going to break in, always wear gloves and try not to leave any DNA evidence behind. Use new uh, products and all, uh, use a very, very cheap gun. And then when you throw it into salt water, it actually corrodes enough that you can't get any evidence off of it. So, um, yeah, uh, besides my tips for breaking in and murdering people, uh, <laughs> Uh, I think the reason why it looks like we're all in a bubble of old people that don't that are cliquey, we call them cliques, um, is that because we've gone around to all the conferences together, we're really comfortable with each other. And a lot of us are really shy. And it doesn't seem that way because we stand up on stage. But in person, one to one, we can be very shy. So we tend to congregate together. But I will often deliberately tilt my body sideways to show an opening so that someone can come in and join our conversation. And if I see someone on the edge, I'll invite them in to have a chat because I remember what it was like, you know, 20 years ago when I was on the outside trying to break in or uh talk with someone over Twitter, be careful with women versus men, because the perception that you create as a guy just wanting to pal around and chat with a woman is sometimes not what you think. It seems really creepy, but you don't mean it that way. <laughs> it just comes across that way. So be careful, but talk with them or on Twitter. Or you're just French. <laughs> Are you just French? <laughs> yeah. Why does he keep looking down my top? <laughs> um You get away with a lot of uh, just being French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you really do. Um, or French-Canadian. Um, but French-speaking. Uh, <laughs> French <laughs> All the French-speaking. Just, just yeah. a superpower. Uh, or have a British accent in the States. Uh, That's the other exactly. one. Uh, but talk with them on Twitter beforehand. Say, hey, I'm going to uh, be at your conference. Um, what's the next one I'm speaking at? Uh, maybe speaking at, um, let's say, Uh, Brighton SEO um, so say uh, or digital zone in Istanbul or whatever I'm going to be at your your conference that you're speaking at I'm really interested in just asking you a couple of questions uh, nothing too onerous would it be okay for me to, to introduce myself and chat mm. that way the speaker all of a sudden has a, a, a an affinity with you they have a relationship and then afterwards at drinks when you sort of come around if it's somebody like me or somebody affable like I don't know Craig sometimes is like that he can be very friendly but he can he's a bit scary sometimes to people who don't know him because he seems like my little brother my little brother is a a, a brick wall of a keto muscle um, and if you look wow. at him the wrong way he has this look on his face that makes it look like he's going to murder you but he's the biggest <laughs> softy you could ever meet um, so sometimes it's very intimidating the way people look at you but if you have an affinity there and you've had a conversation with them then they'll often invite you in it's not that we're being exclusive it's just that we're familiar with everybody 
it's um, easier to fall into step with friends than it is to try to make new friends at every conference, especially at the end when you're tired and you just want to have a glass of wine and a chat about just shoot the shit about SEO and know that the person that you're talking to isn't blogging this. So it's, it's that trust mm. and that affinity and the comfort. So sometimes it's not that we're trying to block you out. It's that we've all had bad experiences. I've been sexually assaulted. Other people have been blogged about. Um, other people have been forcibly kissed. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy being female um, at a conference because we're always under some sort of threat. But if you have an affinity with the speaker beforehand, it's easier to break into that bubble. So if you want to break in, have a neutral conversation with them. Be careful because, you know, I, I, I've been sexually assaulted most recently. I think it was 2019 was the last time I was sexually oh. assaulted at a conference and it's 2020. So, and I'm 50. So seriously, people, <laughs> it's like yeah, you but... really just need to grow up. Um, but if I'm facing that at mm. my age with my experience, mm -hmm. what are other people facing? So just understand that, be sensitive and be neutral. In France, uh, the other day I was, um, we organized this poker, poker game, poker tournament every Thursday. And it was late night, so it was just uh, three or four of us, and it came, a name came up. And the two girls were like, no, we don't even come near that guy. We don't even want to know. Just no. Why? Because when that guy gets drunk, he just thinks that the female that says hi wants to sleep with him. <sighs> so it's no excuse. I mean, you are a professional, just behave. If you can't handle alcohol like me, just don't drink too much. I, yeah. <laughs> I can't. Uh, it's me. I can't, it's not even about getting drunk. It's like poison. Like I don't feel well if I get mm. too drunk. Uh, I don't. Uh, I'm part Asian, and so I'm missing an enzyme to digest alcohol. So uh, ah. it's really like poison more than than just. Uh, and I don't like the. I, I like weed way better than than, than alcohol, uh, or, or, uh, for that matter. But yes, um, because you need to get loose, so you're gonna have a couple of drinks, and then, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it that's why it can seem like there's a bubble because the guys who are around the girls know that they have to protect them. The girls feel protected, and so it becomes a it becomes a, a block almost, and so mm -hmm. people feel excluded. And it's not that it's safety, or it's just that we don't know anyone. And let's say I was in I was in Belgium. I'm comfortable because I speak French, so I was in Belgium. But then we went to Amsterdam, mm -hmm. and I don't feel comfortable because I don't speak any Dutch. So I was very uncomfortable in, in Amsterdam and I loved it. It was amazing. But I tended to stick with people that I knew because they were speaking English. When I couldn't talk with people uh, in their native language, yeah. it was intimidating and I didn't know what was going on. And it's it's scary as a woman on your own because I'm there without my husband um, to be there alone. So um, I'm always open and I'm always welcoming of people into any circle that I'm in just be aware that sometimes we're not blocking you because we're being cliquey or exclusionary. We're just being careful and we're being safety conscious because women at conferences often travel without any any partner support. So no girlfriend, no boyfriend, no husband, no wife. We're, we're there alone. And so we're, mm -hmm. we're kind of exposed. I understand. That's a good point that um, 
that you make as a and how was it to come to grow into this industry which was until not recently just male dominated was it uh, easier or more difficult how was it i think it was very difficult so i was programming from a very young age 15 and when i was programming in the lab there was a joke Um, and the joke was, um, suddenly you find you're sitting down at your computer typing away, programming, and suddenly you find yourself face planted first into the wall, uh, but you've just had the best experience of your life. What happened? Judith stood up and turned around because I was very well endowed. Um, and it, it hurts when you're a girl at 15 to have jokes like that. So I've had to have a thick skin from a very young age. I was tackled to the ground by five guys, took five guys, I'd like to point out, one on each limb, and then the fifth one pulled my top up. So at a very young age, I've had to be quite, um, quite blocked against um, any kind of hurt. And as a result, being in a male dominated industry like SEO was a little easier. It didn't, it wasn't always easy. Um, at one conference, one SES conference, they're now dead. Uh, but uh, SES London, there was a guy who used to be infamous for getting incredibly drunk. And then basically, he never remembered what happened. It wasn't that he blacked out and passed out. He just had blackouts where he didn't remember what he did. He threw his wine at me and said that I would never amount to anything in SEO because I was a woman. And uh, he's dead now. And I'm here doing this. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, just say that he's dead now, uh, actually dead in the ground buried. And I'm still here. So boys. Karma is a bitch. Karma is a bitch. <laughs> But yes, it was difficult. And I do sympathize with other women mm. who came up during the time that I did. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have retired. Um, but there were a lot of women who were there. And we used to get together at the conferences as well and share stories. I think that it was as difficult then as it is now to be any kind of person in SEO coming through. Now it's more difficult to be gender, any gender, mm -hmm. and push through because so many people claim to be SEOs. Back then it was difficult to push through as a woman because you were seen as not necessarily as good as a guy. I was able to prove that I was as good as a guy because I was as good as a guy and better in a lot of cases, uh, as proven by the people who spouted bullshit on stage and gave me my big break. So I think it's difficult mm -hmm. to be a woman. I love that there are so many um, women focused groups. So women in digital, women in technology, uh, girl geek dinners, um, women in tech SEO, Um, all sorts. There are all sorts of women's networks and they help you cope with the fact that you feel disempowered at times, but men do too. And men are subjected by other men to the same kind of disempowerment that women are. It's just we're quite sensitive to it. And I guess guys grow up expecting to be punched in the face regularly. I don't know. <laughs> Wow, we're getting deep here. Because <laughs> it, it definitely goes beyond the SEO industry. But one thing, and I plead guilty, the whole gossip part is so much fun. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Do you know how many people I'm sleeping with right now? I've lost track. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's this whole uh, gossip part and bad-mouthing, talking shit, which... Um, I think my advice is, if you're not ready to take it in the face, if you you got you to be able to balance out, okay, peop, the bad side, the haters, the trollers, 
Allez, that's the easy part also to say, yeah, no, I'm not sensitive to critics. But also, you gotta be uh, bulletproof against the other side because if it gets to, to your head, don't get high with your own dope. You are making famous people on the web. Don't, yeah. You got, don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. Don't drink the Kool-Aid because uh, when I... Typical, when I make a joke out of it, when I see a first time public speaker gets on stage with his mic, with the, how do you call it, the badge, the, the thing of the conference, the, the paper. Yeah, 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 the badge, the badge? Yeah. Okay. literally. The mic, the badge, right after the conference, before the night is over, the Twitter profile is changed to, <laughs> I'm a public speaker now. And it's cute, but it's just the first step is dangerous. Think about the club of the 27, you know, all those 27-year-old rock stars who, who either kill themselves or destroy themselves to death just because they lost grasp on what, what was real, who was their real friend and so on. So yeah, don't get high on, on, your, own st on your own stuff, on your own stash. You are there to make people famous on the internet, companies, individual, whatever. Uh, that's my advice. What would be your way now getting into the the grind? Uh, what uh, was your unique or maybe your different perspective than others on on how to become uh, how to break into the industry? I think it's very difficult to break into the industry these days. And like you said earlier, you have to have something you specialize in. Um, I tend to do more talks about link building than I do about digital marketing because it's an easier concept to grasp a single point rather than having to grasp the whole. So it's much easier to be a single point specialist than it is to be a generalist. So pick something that you can do well, that you're passionate about, and that you feel comfortable with. And that should be the thing that you focus on. Writing articles about, doing blog posts uh, for other people about, doing something like this where you get interviewed, doing a podcast, be careful about over-broadcasting. Make sure that you have something unique and valuable to share and do the work. You are not going to break into this industry off of six months of Chancer SEO. You have to put in the hard graft. Any communicator anyway has maybe two, three, four, five things at the most that going to repeat over and over and um, it doesn't make sense because people are going to put you into a bucket yep. the way it is. So it's better to decide yourself what bucket you're going to be into rather than let people decide. Because if you're too broad and if your message is too blurry or you, you didn't think hard enough about um, you are the message versus the medium is the message. In the 50s, I forget the guy's name who wrote that book. The medium is a message, so you do have to know YouTube is different than Twitch, which is different than a podcast. The medium is the message, but also you are the message and learn how to craft uh, yourself. The book, uh, You Are the Message, uh, was written by the infamous Roger, Roger Ailes, who uh, is also well known for killing himself because he abused women, but that doesn't um that's the personal part on the professional <laughs> professional part you can't take out the fact that the guy was brilliant and he created uh he, he got pres presidents elected okay presidents even the the current one trump that's that's him <laughs> that was him and and his book was you are the message and how you need to craft yourself 
into a good communicator. Uh, yeah. And even look at me with my broken English doing it, doing something in English. Uh, you don't need to be lit literate and express yourself well. And she doesn't have a YouTube channel and a podcast. And I do several. And I've been doing it for years. And she's better than me at this. So come on, get off your ass, people. <laughs> Start speaking. <laughs> That's also uh, how do you, what would be your recommendation for? Uh, we say, okay, go specific, then mm. next step. So you've got your, once you have your specialty, you do need to be writing articles. You do need to be open your own YouTube channel, uh, do a podcast, do whatever. Be careful about not, as I said, not broadcasting too much. Don't be doing it every day. It's There's not enough stuff in link building, for example, uh, to do something every single day for the rest of your life. Uh, you're, you're going to slow down after a while. But do something regularly, once a week, once every other week. Uh, make sure that you have something to say. And as you do it, broadcast it out, but also reach out to people and invite them on your video channel to interview them or whatever. And then they'll help broadcast your message. Don't don't expect me to be retweeting everything. So, you know, before you think, oh, I'll invite Judith. I have like 9,000 followers who don't read anything that I put out there, I'm sure. Um, but uh, do invite people who will magnify your profile to their followers and then gain your own followers. Use LinkedIn smartly. But you really need to walk the fine line between being a spammer of your image and just being a self-promoter. And I think if you look at other successful self-promoters, I am not saying this in a bad way, but Aleda is one of the people I look at for how to build up a profile. She's an engineer, I'd like to start off with, and incredibly smart. So if you're not incredibly smart at what you do and you haven't picked your specialty, stop, step back, find your specialty, read up on it, make sure that you're the expert, and then start doing things. But look at people like that. Look at Craig Campbell. Look at other people in the industry who have come up to prominence more recently than my 24 or however many years that I've been around. That's too long. You have to go back too far. Look at people who have come to prominence recently and look at all the work that they have put in. And they put in a shed load of work. It is not five minutes or six months. It is years. So you need to start now and keep building and keep working. And Please don't expect it to happen overnight. It doesn't happen that way anymore. You really need to be an expert in your industry, in your special chosen specialty, and then you have to be trusted. And with that trust will come speaking opportunities that you got to pitch. You have to have a good pitch and you have to prove your worth. Or alternative. Alternative. You could buy your way up to the top like Neil no. Patel. No, no. <laughs> Document your growth. I don't know anything about SEO and I'm going to learn and I'm going to document my journey into becoming somebody who is respectable and knows SEO. It's much better to have the balls to do that than faking it. Nobody. And if we're in the business of empathy, trying to connect, of course, there's the expert side that's easy and comfortable but i think it's maybe not smarter but it's a smart way to go about it to be humble and say hey i'm starting out but i'm gonna document my journey into this and think about it if you if you want to resonate with people the expert yeah sure 
but you're going to resonate with someone who is more... Uh, I take the example of uh, mountain biking. And then you know that I love to go down the mountain at a very high speed and crash into trees. And my YouTube channel was just a joke. I was posting on my, my crashes, my fails. And it became a thing. And, and <laughs> it became a... Um, just showing your your weakness might be actually the real power you know everybody was making big jumps and big things i was just crashing yeah i posted my all the crash and it worked <laughs> so yeah is that why uh, you went into the tree though <laughs> just for the likes man just for the likes i i did fake a couple of crashes i did i did but usually they were uh, 99% of them were totally genuine. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't end up in the hospital in traction. Well, the, the problem with that sport is uh, you get better, so you crash less, but when you crash, it's a lot, a <laughs> lot more cons consequences, a lot more. <laughs> I showed you I, yesterday uh, we were on WhatsApp. And I thought, yeah, my friend, he died three times. <laughs> you were like, what? He died three times? <laughs> Yeah, he died. <laughs> He's still alive, but <laughs> he, he was like no pulse for, for three times. And and you know, I destroyed myself last uh, last summer into lots yeah. of pieces because, yeah, you go faster and you crash harder. You crash less, but whatever. Uh, that's my drug, adrenaline. I uh, can't. Uh, it's probably the most dangerous of them all, actually. Yeah. Of all the addictions you could have, adrenaline is one of the ones that will kill you. I know, but what do you want me to do? Uh, I'm not going to quit. <laughs> One life. You're not going to go into um, Alcoholics, not Alcoholics Anonymous. What's the other one? Drugs. M Mountain Bikers Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's also true with Let's Go Back to SEO because mm. when people get too much into the matrix and they can't get back, especially when they start talking to normal people. What I love is when you see the, the eyes, uh, what's, the, what's the, the race, the Labrador, the same in English? Labradors are dogs. Yeah, but they have that stupid look in the eye, Oh, right? yes, yeah. So, so, so when, <laughs> when you talk to someone, you know, when you're at Christmas dinner and, and on Jody, you're talking about what you're doing and you see the, the Labrador's eyes, <laughs> that's when you lost them. So try to, my trick is, you are speaking to people, it's their third language. Not the second, mm. but the third. Always remember that. And you should be able to express yourself in a way that people are actually going to understand what the hell you're talking about. But if you see that glare into the eye, not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> well, even at a conference too, if you see that, that glaze come over a speaker's eyes, it probably means that they're tired. Yes. Um, but they're trying desperately to not be insulting. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to talk to people about what we do sometimes as well, because we do deal with machine learning and deep learning on a, a quite regular basis. Obviously, none of us is dealing with AI because AI infers that the system knows what it doesn't know and seeks to learn it. And none of us are working with systems like that, that I'm aware of in the SEO industry, because we wouldn't be an SEO then. Uh, so, but we're looking at deep learning and machine learning uh, systems all the time. So we're, we're in a different sphere to other people. And I sit on a think tank where we're trying to change agriculture using deep learning um, and hopefully yeah, right. machine learning. And the other people on the think tank 
didn't understand the difference between machine learning and deep learning. So how is Auntie Sharon or Uncle Tony going to understand the difference between deep learning and machine learning, let alone what the heck I do? True. Uh, third language. Third, not second, third language. And, and you should be fine. So now I start to get a little uh, reputation. I work for an agency. I start to have a little name for myself. What would be the next step? Do, do you really advise to start working on your personal branding or um, staying invisible? Maybe, and even if you're the best at what you do, or I guess you're going to say it depends. <laughs> but is that a good advice to, to work on your brand, like yourself, your brand? Personal I brand. think you should always have your personal brand in your sites. When I worked at an agency, one of the agencies I worked at was bullying was endemic. And speaking outside of the agency had to be done on my own personal time. So I actually had to, I had no choice. I had to develop my brand very early on. And I actually had different names for different brands that I created over the years and they didn't stick, uh, but my name stuck. So that's why it's Decabit Consultancy is because Decabit was a unique word that had no relation to any of my previous spamming identities. And um, it was a way of branding myself without having to rely on the agency that I was speaking at to give me visibility. If you're at an agency, you are speaking on their behalf, but you also have brand you. So you're building two brands at the same time, your brand and the brand that is of the agency you work at. If you're in-house, it's the same thing. You represent the company you're speaking on behalf of as well as yourself. Once you become just yourself, and that does take time, please don't jump into it right away unless you have a lot of money in the bank. Um, once you become brand you, then you're only ever speaking on behalf of yourself, but you're your brand. So my brand is irreverent. I swear a lot. I used to be black hat. I do try to do my best job for my clients. We all do. Um, or at least I hope we all do. And that is my brand. But that might not be your brand. Your brand might be um, cheeky girl next door, never swears, and is really smart at um, technical SEO. So your specialty is picking apart code and finding ways to optimize it. So you've got to find what it is you're good at and have that as brand you, as well as being the brand associated with the agency or whatever you're working at, but it's brand you first. So build personal brand at the same time as working for an agency and your agency will help you increase your personal brand as well as their brand. So if you join an agency, they will help expand your reach because it's in their interest. Let's remind people that you might need to do both if you really want to be experienced. If you work in an agency, you're going to be good at one thing. If you work in-house, you're going to do a lot of different things. I think both experiences are good. So instead of just building a career in-house, hey, change jobs a little bit. You're young. What about the, um, the rebuttal of uh, I feel like... Um, I don't have anything to say. I'm not special. I don't have uh, like a new angle. Uh, my advice is always, uh, well, you are the idea. You are special. That's your advice. That's your point of view that makes something. That's something that nobody can take away from you. It's you. 
and people don't understand that that's it that's it um i'm me just this is her and it's her point of view her way of uh, angle even if we approach the same thing it's her angle that's gonna make her unique and that's what you should focus on don't try to find a new seo strategy uh, that's gonna break out in the industry don't try to find like the little trick that's gonna save uh, hundreds of millions of in ppc uh, that's very rare and it's not a long-term plan you are the idea you are special and it's as easy and as hard as that because in this damn age if you don't build yourself as if you don't uh, understand that you are the brand uh, that you carry yourself if you get to put value in yourself because the agency your client or your your employer that's one thing but like you said yeah double down uh, and you won't regret it we'll talk about it maybe you you hesitate now but if you get into it and we talk about it in a couple of years like we said before be careful of not doesn't get to your head the critics judge who is critiquing critiquing evaluate who is saying something everybody can say whatever they want but who are they are they legit or not and that should that should already sort out uh, like 99 percent of the people and then on the other hand don't get high on your own stash absolutely well if you're going to get high on your own stash make sure you've segmented the bit of your stash that you're not selling that is for you and then the rest of it you don't get high on because that's your profit margin but that <laughs> aside i have practical tips for everything <laughs> how to get rid of guns after you've shot someone <laughs> how to make sure that you're profitable in your drug empire <laughs> okay the work the work the hustle the superpower of asking asking uh i know a little bit bill swalski not that much but i asked him he could have the worst thing is he could have said no i won't die i won't bleed if he doesn't want to record a podcast and I can, I can come back to him the next week or the next month or the next year, be patient. Um, be, but the power of asking is, is a superpower, I think. Uh, and, and too many people are afraid to just ask. You get a like jury stage. There's a way to ask. There's a way to go about it. Prepare. Do your work anticipate work it out on social media before the event planning 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 and then um, network in events i think it's more interesting to not go to the talks and just talk to every especially when everybody is in the talks and all the booths are empty uh, there's no go talk to these people <laughs> they bought a booth they got value yeah uh, network 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 and because the yeah, we're going to get into the skills. What um, I'm not going to give an answer first. I want yours. What are you got skills that you can work on, but you got stuff, you got a mindset, you got special um, assets that are required to be uh, excellent, the best at what you do in SEO. What is your point of view on that? I think that you have to have a personality that is that lends itself to being open and gregarious. And we're some of us are introverts, so we also retreat. 
but you need to be comfortable speaking to people and having conversations and connecting. You have to be open to new experiences. It's kind of like trying beer. I only found out that I had a preference for a dip typical type of beer because I tried a lot of different beers. I'm not a lager girl. I'm an ale girl. And I'm specifically a ruby ale girl because I drank a lot of beer to get there. So you have to have a lot of conversations to open yourself up to a lot of opportunities and a lot of ideas in order to find yourself. It's a journey and you should never close yourself off to anything because you think that's not you. Always talk to somebody, even if you think it's not you. So if you go to tool suppliers and you're like, well, I do know PPC, but I'm going to talk to you about this tool because maybe you'll give me different insights into landing pages that I can use for SEO. So always be open to something new. And when I went to university, they forced us to do hard science. Uh, in an arts degree. And in a science degree, they force you to do an arts course. Why? Because there's always that chance you're in the wrong major. So be open to the possibility that you're in the wrong major. If you start off in link building, don't be afraid to cross across to technical SEO. There's nothing wrong with that. It just means that you have a different specialty. If I read between the lines, there is a contradiction here because you got to be so sure of yourself you got to be so confident, so brave. You need to be brave. But also, you, you need, need to be, be brave. so humble. Oh, all the time, I say, everything I know is that I know nothing. So it's self-confidence, being brave, but at the same time, be so... And I'm, like she said, like really deep down, humble, like at the level of, I don't know thing, anything. I can, I can be ready to, to be wrong about everything I studied for the past five years because I took the wrong path. And that's also another way to be brave. So how do you balance out the self-confidence and, and the, the humility? Um, I think first step is you got to know who you are. If you are lost in yourself, uh, that's the first step. Be in check with yourself. Don't hide the demons in the closet. They are there. Just keep them in check. Don't live throughout the eyes of somebody else. Like I said, don't get high on your own supply. But then, yeah, be so confident that you're going to crush it because I think the number one asset you have for great SEO, the common threat, the common um, is never giving up. Never give up. And especially if you do code, especially if you do audits, especially if you want to solve the puzzle, never giving up, I think is the, everything else is a consequence of that never giving up mindset. Mindset. What do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. I love the be humble, but be confident. So no one, if no one knows who you are, you have nothing to lose. Just be mm. yourself. Um, you know what you know. Don't worry about other people not knowing what you know. Don't try to prove yourself or you end up on that stage spouting utter bullshit and having everybody in the audience go, I will never trust you or your company again. Um, so just, just be yourself. You know what you know, but be open to the fact that maybe you're wrong. And I think you have to be very comfortable and confident in yourself to accept that maybe you're wrong and someone else might have a different or better way of doing things and you might need to adapt to do things better. But that doesn't make you completely useless 
it just makes you a stronger person for being able to recognize that your way wasn't maybe the best way for you. And you've just discovered a new way. So yeah, humble, but confident. And so I'm thinking Brighton SEO because it's the easiest to imagine mm. um, intimidating circumstances. Yeah. Why? Because you've got 3000 people whose expertise is SEO and you never know who's the top versus the bottom. And I've been in situations where people have walked along. They don't know who I am. I don't speak there very often. And um, they come along and they're like, oh, yes, I'm doing this. I'm so good. And the person standing next to me is like, do you not know who you're talking to, dude, because you look like a wanker of the nth degree? And I'll just smile and, um, you know, be polite. And then they'll go off thinking that they just showed off to someone and the two of us will laugh and, and go off and have a beer. So um, don't try to be, don't bluster, just be yourself. Don't try to prove yourself for your knowledge. Just be yourself and be open to receiving information from other people. And just that's a way of being mm. humble is to accept that sometimes other people are smarter than you. Um, and sometimes it's something like Brighton SEO or Digital Zone in Istanbul mm. or any of the other conference, conferences around the world. I keep saying Digital Zone. I'm not speaking there. <laughs> um, I just like the conference. Uh, they're lovely I people. You're just a liar. You show me the, the, the check. You show me the wire transfer right before. We're going <laughs> to yeah. a lot of money to say that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you gets like oh, I'm gonna have to write her another check now. <laughs> he uh, he invited yeah. me. He always invites me. Um, but I'm sadly going to be in mm -hmm. Italy for a conference that had to be postponed from May or sorry from March. Um, but it's wine. It was going to be wine on my 50th birthday, but now it's wine in October. Wine and, so. wine and chocolate go well together, actually. Exactly. Uh, yes, but if I want to play play it safe, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna play the rooster. I'm gonna be a. I am the web. I know. Eh? And also, I'm gonna have uh, uh, no tone. I'm gonna be just flat, trying to please everyone, trying to. So I'm trying to level up, trying to make myself bigger than I am, and I'm also gonna have a flat type of speech that doesn't resonate with everyone because it's trying to please everyone. Go reverse. Go, go her way, go my way. Make yourself uh, noticed. In, uh, and it's not about wearing a hat or wearing a really attractive uh, dark red lipstick. It's about uh, what double down on what you are good at. Like she said, don't try to be good at everything. You got something that you prefer because if you don't like it, I have a problem with the word passion, being passionate. I'm passionate about photography and mountain biking. I don't know if I'm passionate about SEO. I love it. I like it a lot. But at least you got to express some some enthusiasm, right? Yeah. Pas passion is a word. I don't know. Maybe it's the, the way it's in French. My translation in, in English doesn't fit well. But at least, yeah, be, be, be a little bit interest, interested in, in what you're talking about. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, think about it. You're never going to be able to please everyone at an orgy. So focus on one or two people that you're going to pleasure and just do that well. Uh, don't just try to do everybody at once because that never works. Trust me, I've been there. Uh, it just does not work. So <laughs> if you think about it in that way, you're never going to please it, it, everyone at the orgy. Yeah, but that's that's a, that's like a, your, uh, I guess it goes down to the brain the defense mechanism of the brain is I don't want to be attacked I don't want to be 
to 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 make any so you're trying to okay i want uh, i want uh, every boy and girl in the room <laughs> to <laughs> every naked person in the room to uh, to like me it just doesn't work that way but i think it's the way we are programmed the way our yeah. brain is trying to uh it's for our own good actually that the brain um, and that's why also mountain biking downhill mountain biking is a good exercise to mess with your brain because your brain is saying break 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 and you're like nope 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 <laughs> you're like, ah i need to break now <laughs> yeah. and the tree that that meets you does introduce you to the fact that every action has an equal and opposite reaction yep exactly but yeah it it's it I think that you need to just be yourself and it's very difficult to be yourself when you're standing up in front of people and you want them to all like you because you know the only way you're going to get invited back is if you score high. Yes. But you'll score high if you know what you're talking about and you're passionate about it and you mm -hmm. deliver good information. If you're just doing the same thing that somebody else did last week on YouTube or whatever and or the same conference talk mm -hmm. that you've done time after time after time, the last six or eight conferences, it gets very tired very quickly. So you need to just be yourself, bring passion to it. And one of the tricks that I use, which is very difficult, you have to be very, very, very confident, is I pick something unique about the moment. In that moment, I will look around a room and I will use that as an example. So for instance, uh, yesterday at the keynote, I used handbag as an example because there's one just off to the uh, side of my computer that is broken mm. and it needs a little bit of a fix. So I looked at that and I used that as an example. Or you can use something in the audience. You can point to someone and say, like that red handbag you've got or like that um, uh, lovely cane that you're sporting yeah, there, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen her my, with my own eyes playing the whole like cleavage thing in the moment because her cleavage was noticeable enough <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't miss it as she went that's brave right oh okay. the award yeah. <laughs> yeah so i brought the wrong dress and oh my god so one size too small and i was boobalicious uh, i actually had a guy thank me for the view over dinner and um yeah you you have to make a choice in your life when something like that goes that wrong that's going very wrong you have to stand up on stage in iceland and say hey or wherever and um i had no choice i had to own the moment and own the mistake and it's that ownership of the mistake that's being brave. And you have to own your mistakes. If you try to cover them up or hide them, mm. then it just comes back to bite you in the ass. And and sadly, Actually, my cleavage yeah. didn't win. I was, no, but, I was but, disappointed. But, but, I, I didn't see the original one. I saw the reboot because it worked so well that you used it again. It was for the, I think, the UK Search Awards. Or, ah. No, maybe the... So you, you, you brought up... It was the right dress with the right cleavage, but you played that card again. And also, I think if you go on to public speaking, you're already on stage. You don't need to level yourself up in being the super expert with the... No, take yourself down to the level of the, of the audience and, and try to... Everything is going to... You don't need to uh, hype yourself. Uh, you're already hyped because you're on stage. That's enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and about the work, like you said, too many people... Um, well, it's maybe the old dogs talking because we've done tens of thousands of hours of work and we can look back. We, you can only look back in your life. You can look ahead. Uh, but the fact is that the shortcuts are getting shortcuts as far as SEO goes. 
it's not sexy it's not glamorous it's nothing we know how to do the job you know what is required to do the work and it's not going to change ever there's not going to be like any update that's going to change the game ever since especially whatever you want to call it is is the boss at google but not i'm mean, single anymore uh, rank rank brain machine learning deep learning ai whatever uh, mm. that path is not going away anytime soon and we know how to feed the beast so now it's time to prove that what you do works and like i said the truth is on the screen the fakers can fake it in public talks they can fake it on on youtube they can f the proof is on the screen there's no better business card than ranking first on google they're gonna find who is the SEO band? Trust me, <laughs> they're going to find you. They're going to find you. They're going to know who is responsible for that, that first spot on Google. No, I think that's it. That's the best, uh, the best thing you can do is, um, is rank. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it, sometimes it's difficult and it's arduous, but if you rank well for your targets that are relevant to your business, then it's going to work. But if you rank for stuff that's irrelevant and you get no conversions, then what's the point? Exactly. Well, that's where you come in with the rest, what, whatever is around SEO, which is actually, a, in my opinion, becoming even more important. Like we said before, content marketing with the SEO layer is the way to go. Uh, SEO in itself, yeah, for bed and breakfast in Northern England, so in, in Manchester, yeah, why not? But not for... If you want to play with the big boys, you need to do everything around SEO very, very, very well. It's not 2005 anymore. Mm. Back then, it was easy. One keyword, one page, one CTR, and the money. That's it. Yep. Keyword, page, CTR, money. 100% Google. Now, uh, it's a whole journey for, the, for your customer. The, I, like, I like to call it the information tunnel and not the conversion tunnel. But if you follow them all, all throughout this information tunnel, we got the power. Why? Because search is better than... I like your point of view on that, actually. I state that search is the best pipeline just because of intent. Emailing, mm -hmm. social media, all that stuff. It's, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm saying search is better because of the intent behind uh, the process i think so i have a slightly different view yeah let's hold email, a little bit <laughs> email marketing is one of the best converting channels but it's also one of the lowest converting channels usually because you have to have already acquired people so these are already existing customers that you're selling to usually on an email marketing channel you've got to do double opt-ins now you've got to make sure your list is scrubbed regularly you've got gdpr yeah. It's it's a it's a nightmare. Your organic and paid marketing channels are both of them are pulling people in on relevant keywords to convert them. So the content marketing on the site, which is SEO, is key for both PPC and SEO because you have to bring people in at different points in the their customer journey, their their journey through to purchase. And so without the co content there in the right way, in the right place, optimized in the right way, PPC costs you a bomb and SEO doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So both of those channels will funnel people through to sale. Um, email marketing is a is a hugely 
underrated. It's the middle child of digital marketing, I would say. It's really important, makes you lots of money, but it's underutilized. Um, and then social media is a way of maintaining that touch post-purchase as well with the customer. So it's not just email marketing, it's also social, it's also blog. And those types of, of post-purchase touch points help keep the customer engaged so that they purchase again and again. Otherwise, you have to reacquire them through PPC and SEO each time. And while they might trust you because they remember you from the last time they purchased, you have had to go through the effort and work of reacquiring them. Whereas if you keep a soft touch with them through email and social, then they'll convert much more easily without having to reacquire them every time. And there's always a chance you'll lose them every time they head to a search engine. So if you're on Amazon and selling, make sure that you're doing something to nurture that relationship. If you're on Google and selling, make sure that you're capturing all the information, nurturing the relationship. Mm. Post-purchase um, optimization is one of the most poorly utilized True. topics and, True. And, and strategies because you've got the person now keep mm -hmm. selling them to them. It's cheaper and easier to keep selling to them. I think it's actually, uh, some, somebody said it's five times cheaper. Again, it could be just someone saying like it's five times cheaper <laughs> to, to sell to an existing customer then. But the point is, and while you were talking, I was like, damn, she's right. Because for myself, emailing is the number one uh, channel, but... I did it right, meaning I build up my tribe first, then I can sell. I think that needs to be in that order. Otherwise, email marketing, just bazooka type of email marketing. Yeah, it works, but it's costly. There's a lot of technical challenges you need to overcome if you really want to be a big email spammer. And uh <laughs> she's laughing in the back yeah it's it's difficult to spam by email on a large volume it's not it's not that easy and to do it on a regular basis you need a lot of infrastructure infrastructure to, to do that but if you are doing it right by building your tribe and by doing all the right okay but the problem is come on i'm getting because because it's just doing your job you shouldn't get like extra bonus points for just doing your job right. So the fact is that it's from the bottom. People are just trying to be less bad than the ones who are in front of them. Well, well um, if you compare to real life and with the, the actual crisis, we're blessed to work on the web. But I, I feel like... Uh, People are not taking it seriously, even today. Look at the content, what I call the Google text, even if it's at the semantic source, right? But now you don't even respect the people who are reading that shit. You have, and you're going to rank first for informative keywords and your your content is just crap. There's no other way to, to it's just food for, for Google, period, even in 2020. It's oh, it's difficult to pull a conversion off of content that's just written for Google, though, uh, unless you're a publisher, in which case your purpose is writing to get people off of Google because you're selling ad slots. Um, if you're trying to convert on a product or a service, you're not going to convert off of stuff that's just churned out for Google. You're that was only going to work. It. That was yeah. that was the work back then. Yeah, but, and even uh, then, you struggled to convert because. 
in 2004, lots more people were coming online. So you want to make sure that the reason you're doing what you're doing is because it works and sells, not because it's the lazy option. Oh, just optimize for this keyword. Like I was saying with the PR agency, they were the, the SEO agency they were using was optimizing for keywords. The keywords were somewhat relevant, but they weren't converting. So the traffic was going up, but the sales were not going up. And this was a problem for her because she needed mm. clients to stay in business to keep people employed. So you're not doing anyone any favors to write content that's useless. You need to understand your personas and you need to understand your path to conversion. Yeah, but how do you explain that? I'm a little uh, small business and I'm going to do a flyer, like a physical paper flyer. I'm going to pay more attention to the copy to the you know copywriting of that flyer than my damn website even in 2020. Why is that? Is that be, because people can 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 hold on the flyer? Is that a physical thing or, or, or is it uh, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why don't you take the web seriously? I think people don't understand the power or potential of the web enough. So they can see that when they do a flyer run, they get a lot of calls, they get a lot of customers. Um, they don't understand how when they put a website live, they get a lot of calls and customers because it's not time confined. With a flyer, you give it out, it's time confined. You know you put mm. the flyer out there and therefore the responses you got were for the flyer. With the web, it's not the same. So for a small, let's say a small masseur, somebody who does sports massage they've gotten their certifications their qualifications and now they want to do sports massage for i don't know people who go to the gym and and don't stretch properly so they don't understand that the web works in the same way as a flyer because the flyer is time constrained and they can see the result whereas it, the yeah. web just does stuff and you got entire industries who don't even understand the internet not even the web the internet in general um, yeah, I, I'm thinking about the press, you know, the media. <laughs> <laughs> they they keep looking at each other and like, how does that thing work? How are we gonna make something out of it? They yeah. won't. They lose. They're gonna die, because internet, I believe, is a territory in itself. It's not fair for the rest of the world. It's just, and it, we're not gonna go back. Okay, we're not gonna go back. Of course, it's not fair. Of course, uh, that's uh, the theory of evolution. Who that was, what, Darwin or something like that? So get a grasp, learn how to uh, penetrate this uh, territory called the internet and the web, which is a territory within the territory. Because email, emailing is not the web. A lot of people yeah. don't understand that it's a different part of internet, a different protocol. But we're getting a little bit too nerdy here. <laughs> and we, we were hitting the two-hour mark. So um, what else? What else before we... Um, I got to get you back for different topics. Uh, I got to get you back. and um, But maybe one last word on the how to become a great SEO, how to become someone in, the, in this industry. Like you said, it's hard. Like you said, it's crowded. But like you also said, if you are a little bit special, if you have something to bring to the table, if you know what you're doing, it's, it's still 
pretty open. I mean, there's <laughs> there's room for for people who want it. Um, There's always room for people who want it, people who want and desire and are smart and are savvy and are humble. Mm. There's always room for those people. I would recommend reading Everybody Lies by Seth Stephen Davidovitz, I think it is. Um, Seth Stevens Davidovitz, he wrote a really good book called Everybody Lies or How Big Is My Penis? Because apparently that's the most popular search on Google. Um, (laughs) And I I can't imagine why, because Google's not a ruler, gentlemen uh, and ladies. Google is not a ruler. It won't tell you how big your penis is, nor will it tell you if you're pregnant or not. And from working in pharmaceuticals, I can tell you that one of the most popular searches is, am I pregnant? And no, Google is not a pregnancy <laughs> test. So understand what your unique proposition is. And we all, as you said, Laurent, uh, we all have unique propositions uh, because we are all unique individuals. And whether it's my red lipstick or your insightful um, s- slogans etched on the inside of your earring, Um there's always going to be something unique about us. Do you do you have particularly intelligent belly button lynch? You never know what could come out of you as a unique brand. Please don't use belly button lint as an example because that's just gross. But there's always something unique out there. And if you want to stand out, just look inside of yourself, understand what's unique. Look at the book, Everybody Lies, because it's all about our industry. It's about data science, but it's about our industry. Read it, read it again, understand what the underlying messages are in that book, and you will find your uniqueness. And when you combine that with your passion, then even if it's not SEO, you'll do extremely well. That's it. I think we can conclude. Leave, leave it at that. Merci, my friend. Merci. De rien. <laughs> Au revoir. Goodbye in English. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs>